Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. This is a special edition of the Groovy Podcast. Uh, my name is Ken Cousin, podcasting from Marlboro, Connecticut, and with me is... Hi, I'm Jen Strader, and I'm here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. How are things in Minnesota? A little warm today. It's supposed to get up to almost 90. That's uh, amazing. Here, it's hard yeah. to believe that it's still May. I mean, I, I'm really not quite sure that's the case. Um, I needed to, well, we're glad to talk to you anyway. It's always good to talk to you. But we had a few things going on this week and, and in general that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm glad that you were available uh, for a brief interview here. Uh, let's uh, start with some things that are coming up, like you are planning to to speak at the upcoming Great Conf in, uh, in Europe, right? Right. So my next speaking engagement is Great Conf Europe. I... I'm giving two talks, new talks for this year. Um, the first one is about uh, test-driven documentation, ah. and the other one is uh, kind of a revisiting code narc is what I called it, because um, I had some experience where maybe people aren't using code narc anymore, uh, and it's still improving. There's lots of things to be. Uh, Lots of useful things that I get out of it, and I hope other people will too. I did notice on your Twitter feed that you said something about giving a talk about CodeNARC to the local um, Groovy users group in Minneapolis. Right. Um, so I have been uh, practicing these talks a few times uh, locally. Uh, so the next one is Tuesday in Minneapolis. Uh, we meet at Smart Things, and that's when I'll be giving the first round of this CodeNARC talk. So what do you think of CodeNARC? You, have you been using it for a long time? I, I have, and I kind of took it for granted. So the first project that I worked with, um, it had already been set up. Everyone else was updating it regularly. And when I started consulting for object partners, I moved into a new project in a new environment and noticed that they, um, they had CodeNARC, but it was out of date, and they had turned off a lot of the rules. And so when... And I, I didn't really notice it that much because I, at that point, was trained in all of my style out, uh, code style and everything. But we had an intern come in, and the intern uh, was making some really simple mistakes. And, of course, we do pull requests and review the code before it gets merged in. I'm like, a lot of this stuff would be caught with CodeNARC. And so I went through and realized, oh, oh, my gosh, most of the rules are turned off. We haven't updated in over 10 versions. Um, and the more I started talking about it, I found that other companies were doing the same thing. And so this is a little bit about um, what I've learned doing that and why other people should be going back through their code and updating code as well. Yeah, I haven't used it much at all. And I, it's one of those things I keep planning to do and just never seem to get around, get around to. Do you, do you work on projects that are largely Groovy or they mix Groovy and Java? Or where do you find this most useful? Yeah, so the project that I work on directly is Ruby and Spring Boot. We also have some Ruby Rat Pack projects, um, mostly Ruby with Spring Boot. That's interesting. So that's practically Grails right there. Yeah, yeah. and I, do, I did add it to one of my side projects, but it isn't Grails. Oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that it's a useful tool for those sorts of environments. Now, you mentioned that there were projects at Object Partners. Uh, are you still there? I thought you'd moved to OCI. No, uh, so I, I'm consulting with Object Partners, and I'm at 
a client called PeopleNet. They do Internet of Transportation things. Uh, that sounds really interesting. What does that mean? Uh, so they have a bunch of different devices on semi-trucks uh, that monitor engine conditions, GPS, rear-view cameras, and it's all connected and set up so that uh, trucking companies can manage their fleets remotely. That's really cool. I, I wonder if that's the sort of thing evolving toward where you're basically giving the truck a phone, you know, and, and just using all the phone capabilities on there. Yeah, the devices are really, really complex and, and interesting. Yeah, I can imagine so. I guess we're waiting for the autonomous trucks as well to, uh, to take over that area, but this must be a step along the way. Uh, is any of that involving Groovy at all? So we do, the projects that I've been working on are mostly uh, data, like the data that's already been transformed at, coming out of those devices. Um, and we do a lot of or client work for analyzing, around analyzing data. Oh, okay. So it's back-end work analyzing the data that you've already collected. Yeah, very good. Now you say you are, you're working with object partners. Have you been there a long time? Uh, just over a year now. Oh, okay. I, I've met several people from there. They're certainly well-known in the Minneapolis area. They, they also are very active in the Groovy community. Yeah, they're a great place to work. Uh, we have a lot of great people that work for us and um, a lot of reasons why we stay. Figured might as well mention them just in case, as most people are, they're hiring these days. So. Yeah, they are. Um, and you should contact me so that I, I can... <laughs> yeah, right. You got to get the hiring bonus. Absolutely. <laughs> so where were you before that? Before that, I was at a company called Altegra. Uh, they were doing healthcare uh, communications. So uh, web platforms, text messaging, phone calls around managing uh, health conditions, particularly things like diabetes to remember to go check your insulin and stuff like that. Uh, another very hot area these days, yeah, very yeah. active. So what's, uh, if you don't mind my asking, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, where did you come from? Are you, have you always been in computer science? Uh, were you always interested in this field? Uh, that's, a, that's a little bit of a longer story. Uh, so I, I mostly grew up on the East Coast, so I'm not originally from Minnesota. Huh. I, I went to a an interesting boarding school. It's actually run by the state, and they have uh, one for arts and sciences, one for science and math, and it was there that I, I had to take a computer science class. It was required to graduate, and I actually did really well, and I thought about, oh, well, like, this is nice, but I'm going to be a, a doctor. I'm, I was on the pre-med track and took other classes, but my, um, the professor and they, are, they were all college professors that taught at this high school, um, said, you really should take a second course, and I wish I had listened to her, because it wasn't until about halfway through my undergrad that I finally did switch to computer science. Mm. I ended up taking another elective and um, realized that it was way more interesting than memorizing a lot of biology facts <laughs> and all of the, the neuroscience stuff that I was doing. But from the time you graduated, you were in an IT-related field? Yeah, so actually within, before I even finished and had turned in my final paper, I had offers. Um, it was 
It was interesting, though, because the whole process, a lot of people wanted to try to pin me into a QA role or a support role. I'd been working for Verizon Wireless doing support for them for a while. So I was getting a lot of very similar um, things. And I really had to look for developer jobs. Um, but I, I did find one. I wasn't the best job at the time, but I learned a lot, and it helped me uh, grow in and jump into the next role. Uh, what, did, what attracted you to the Groovy world? Did you choose that? Were you on a project that just was using it? Uh, what, what brought that about? Yeah, so when I switched my job, so I was, it was after college, I was in New Jersey in the New York area for a while and wasn't really getting anywhere job-wise, kept getting uh, pinned into either front-end roles or QA roles, um, wasn't finding the, the back-end dev jobs that I wanted. So I started looking a little broader. I'm like, okay, well, maybe... New Jersey is really expensive too. Maybe it's time to move. Uh, and found Altegra. Uh, it's a very interesting project that I wanted to work on. I didn't know too much about Groovy at the time. I'd kind of seen it as the option in NetBeans. Like, um, I kind of looked at it a little bit, but I hadn't really used it. We were mostly doing PHP and Flash and just trying to get into the HTML world out of, the, out of Adobe. Um, so when I had the opportunity to move into this new role, I was really excited about it, and I just had that love sense. <laughs> Did that involve changing jobs or anything like that, or was that all part of the same company? No, so I did move uh, out of that company and moved out here with my, my giant U-Haul truck and drove across the country. So that's what brought you to Minneapolis then? Minneapolis, yeah. Oh, that's great. So you like it out there then? That's good. I do. Now, you mentioned the other talk you were going to do at, at GreatConf involved test-driven documentation. That's not a term you hear very often. Uh, again, I've noticed on your Twitter feed you've been pretty active in that area, something involving ASCII doc. Could you remind me what that was? Sure. So um, the, I think the idea is really cool, even outside of it. So it's originally a Spring project uh, and an implementation from the, actual, the Spring team. And it takes the um, tests that you've already written and uses them to generate documentation in ASCII doc, in uh, code snippets that you can then inject into an ASCII doc. And, and you, I've done it two different ways, either to put it in the, the static resources of a project and just kind of have a, a running documentation with active code samples that you know past your tests. Hmm. Uh, or to have separate documentation uh, to GitHub pages. That's another option. Is this all driven through Gradle or something like that? Right. So we use the Gradle ASCII doc plugin. Yeah, I've been using that for. A, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I've been using that for a while. I generally do all my uh, training materials using the Gradle ASCII doctor. Well, the ASCII doctor one. I don't know if that is that the same thing you're using. Yeah, I, I have to say I have to get a lot better about um, distinguishing between ASCII doc and ASCII doctor. I, I catch myself all the time saying the wrong one. Oh, I don't, I don't think anybody minds. Uh, I think that um, ASCII doc originally had more of the Ruby background to it, and ASCII doctor is a bit more active, a bit more thorough. Um, although, actually, ASCII doctor also is based on Ruby gems as well. That caused me a lot of troubles in the early days. Uh, but at any rate, so you use a Gradle build to extract code from the actual source code and the tests and everything and generate documentation from that? I, I mean, so, it, so it's a library that I have to pull into, and uh, there are a few things that I have to 
So I write like a either a REST true test or a mock MVC test to test a particular endpoint. Uh, I say that, okay, I want to document this endpoint and it will take the conditions from that test. So it'll say, okay, I expect the input to be this, I expect the output to be that. And it takes those conditions and that's what it uses for the documentation. Huh. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that talk at, at GreatConf. I, I've never heard of anything like that before. Uh, it sounds like a really interesting use. Of course, that's going to be in Copenhagen, which is my somewhat weak segue to the whole Fulbright Scholar idea. How in the world did that come up? That's just not the sort of thing you tend to hear about in this community. Well, so it's a little uh, non-traditional for me, so I am a little... Normally, it's something that you do right after college, uh, but I'm, I'm in the last year of eligibility for it, so I figured... I, I, I knew I wanted to go back to grad school. Uh, there are some things that I just don't get the opportunity to learn while I'm working. And it would be really nice to take classes on things I didn't do during undergrad, especially since I was so rushed through the first time. And I was trying to think, okay, where... I looked at several different schools, and I know that paying for it was going to be a big thing, too. So I started looking uh, all over the world, and I knew Virginia in particular has a really strong base in, in Denmark. With, even outside of just hosting great comp. There were a lot of developers there too. And started connecting with different people to find find the right school. Uh, connected with a really great professor at the Technical University of Denmark who was interested in uh, applying his, the techniques that he was using with Java and other JVM languages to Groovy. And it, it kind of all just started to fall into place really nicely. And um, I'm really excited about the project that I came up with and what I'm going to do. How long does the program last? So the Fulbright part of it is the first year, and then the master's program will be two years in total. That includes that first year as well? First year, yeah. And then you'll finish with a, a master's in computer science, presumably. So you have your project, but there'll also be coursework as well during that time. Right. right. How's your, I guess it would be Danish? The courses are all in English. I did, I did verify that. But I have been taking some classes because uh, Ethan thinks it's been really tough looking at, for housing. A lot of this stuff is in, in Danish. Uh, and Google Translate is good, but it, it's, it's nice to be able to read something. Yeah, that would be very helpful, I would think. Are you going to drive over there? No. Um, so I am going to sell my car and bike so that's why i've been i like i bike to work this morning i've been trying to uh get more into the bike lifestyle that's a very european thing to do very good as an american that's foreign to me too so um, oh, minneapolis is actually pretty good for biking i think we just made some top 10 list in the world um it i would be scared to drive or to bike most of the other places that i've lived uh but here it's actually you mean the, the three days of the year when you don't have snow? I was even biking in the snow. Oh, my goodness. No, I'm kidding. I have, I have several friends who live in that area, and it's just, you know, the, the, the whole king in the north idea comes up. Uh, at any rate, so when do you move out there? What's the, what's the time frame on that? Uh, Mid-August. Oh, so this year. You start off in August, and then you'll be there for a couple of years? That's the plan. 
That is a that's a big deal. That's very good. Congratulations, by the way, on winning that. Uh, it ought to be very interesting. Hopefully, you'll still be able to stay active in the community while you're involved in all that. Yeah, the the plan is to use my product to give back um, and contribute back to Ruby and Codenarc and some of the other projects too. Are you going to get a chance to visit the university while you're out for uh, for GreatConf? I I had contacted my professor, and he's going to be out of town. But, um, but I'll, I'll definitely be doing a little sightseeing and uh, hopefully some apartment hunting. <laughs> yeah, it's all timing, right? Yeah. Um, okay, well, the other big news, of course, that was announced, I think it was this week or earlier this week, was the announcement by Dan Woods that all the profits from the, or the, I shouldn't say profits, the his royalties from the Learning Rat Pack book are going to go to the Great Ladies Organization. Now, I imagine most people in this community have at least heard of Great Ladies, but for the people who haven't, can you give a little bit of a, an overview of what they do, what they're about? Sure. So Great Ladies is the organization uh, that Allison and I co-founded that supports women in the Groovy community. Uh, no matter what tech you're using, Groovy, Grails, Griffin, any other related uh, Groovy technologies, whether you're actively using it or just looking to learn. Um, we have events at, at all levels, really. The main things that we do are uh, outreach uh, in the local community. In, here in Minneapolis, we, uh, for a while, we were hosting events, uh, like meet, tech meetups. Uh, there, weren't, there aren't very many women here, unfortunately, even for a, a city that's as, as groovy as Minneapolis. Uh, and even of those trying to get people to, to come on a weekday and because there are several or a few in St. Cloud as well which is a little further away like an hour and a half drive so weekdays don't work for everyone that lives outside of the, the metro area uh, so we did some meetups for a while we I've gone to t uh, conferences and talked about uh, different things that affect women in the group community and of course, we have our workshop series. Uh, so we do a beginner workshop, which means people who've never coded before, as well as people who uh, are in another language and just kind of want to learn a little bit about Groovy. And our next one is actually June 18th. Uh, so we do those two. Um, I believe there was a fourth one I'm not remembering right now. But. It'll probably come to you. I've actually been to St. Cloud, interestingly enough. Uh, I was there once in January on approximately the coldest days of the year. Uh, I did have to remind the people there that, that they're not required to live there. There are actually other places in the country they're allowed to move, you know. Uh, I couldn't believe how cold it was that time. But I know what you mean about having difficulty with a, a spread out group like that. So do you hold uh, meetings sometimes on weekends or whatever, or is it always uh, during the week? So the, the workshops that we do are on, on weekends. Uh, and I, I'm trying to actually regroup, especially with me moving and trying to figure out how to connect everyone remotely. Uh, it could probably move more towards meeting at conferences and doing more remote, uh, remote hangouts. So what's the website? Is it greatladies.org, right? Yeah, I never remember. And I know, I know you have T-shirts because I do have one. Uh, I, should, I probably should have worn it today, I guess. I didn't think about it until now. Um, 
I'm still hoping for a great allies t-shirt at some point too. You, you shouldn't feel embarrassed to wear your great ladies t-shirt. Um, I don't mind. It's just, it, it feels a little funny, I guess, uh, because where for people who don't know what it is, you know, it feels a little odd for people who know in the community, of course, then it's fine. But, um, that's my own hangups. I'll get over it. Don't worry about it. Do you wear a J-Frog t-shirt? Uh, you know, I never have worn that J-Frog t-shirt because that one looks, that one really requires explanations for people outside <laughs> the community. Like, so, yeah. yeah. Don't tell Baroque I said that, but I haven't <laughs> worn my J-Frog t-shirt. Right. Maybe I should wear it at the conference or something. Um, so anyway, how did this whole situation with Dan come about? So I know uh, Dan has not lived in that area for a long time, but he, he did some time ago. Did you meet him back then? Have you just met him through conferences? How'd that work out? Yeah, so um, I guess I, I knew Dan when he was here. We've met a few times. He was with Object Partners, actually, when he was here. Mm -hmm. I... And we've kind of stayed in touch through all of the different work that he's done. He's definitely always supported us uh, and has been a, a great advocate for, for women in technology, even outside of the Ruby community. Uh, when he approached me about making a donation, I, um, I was really honored because um, I've been doing a lot of this work on my own. Uh, and in, including funding some of the things, and it'll go a really long way. In fact, when he actually sent me the, the announcement, um, I, I just cry a little bit, because it's, it's just such a nice thing for him to do. He really did say it very nicely, and I, I am glad to hear, actually, that he did talk to you ahead of time. I wondered if you'd suddenly been surprised, you know. Here yeah. comes this, uh, this announcement without any warning whatsoever. So he did talk to you and, and the group about it? Yeah, so that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, that I mean, that's really going to be uh, hopefully very beneficial for the group, and who knows, maybe it'll help out the book as well. You mentioned you're actually using Rat Pack on some of your projects. Is that is that what I, you said before? Yeah, for well, uh, I'm not on a team that's using Rat Pack, but several of the other teams are. Well, that's that's wonderful. I'm I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I know it's kind of a cliche uh, that. You know, whenever you're talking to a woman in this field that you're supposed to discuss women's issues and, and things like that, uh, I'm going to leave that to your choice as to whether you're interested in talking about any of that or not. You probably get those questions all the time. Uh, my sense is that I've met several women from the Great Ladies Group and that it seems to be as healthy an environment as any I've encountered. But then again, I'm a, you know, white male that things could be going on all around me and I'd never know. Uh, so what's your experience as a, as a woman in this industry? A big question. Um, so, in, I mean, there are some things that have come up, but I try not to let it bother me. And I hope that other people won't, or other women won't let it bother them either. And it's not just about women in technology. It's also about other diversity groups that are underrepresented as well. Sure. And although we're great ladies, and that's definitely how I can speak from my experience, I definitely do try uh, to encourage other forms of diversity as well, because we face a lot of the same struggles, and um, some groups even more so. 
And having someone else that I can talk to when something bad happens has been really beneficial. Um, so that's part of why we ended up starting Great Ladies. Uh, Allison and I were the only two going to meetups. And it seems like there, there are more, more women that are, that are out there. Uh, so it was really important as the only person, the only woman where I worked, um, to be able to connect outside of work. There and as I've done more research, so I I did the um, the D three graphic a while back. Right. Uh, all of the different ratios from from some some companies, and it, it the beginning looks good, but if we actually look at the group developers, uh, even that's really low. It was, it's about 5%, uh, which was what we were seeing at, at conferences. So when Allison and I went to Great Coffee, we would, we would count up um, and try to try to figure out, oh, I mean, because it seems like there aren't very many. And we, we've been going to, to Women in Tech things. So Grace Hopper is a big na uh, national conference for women in tech. We spoke, actually spoke there in 2014 about, and did an intro to Groovy and Rails just Ruby at the time. Um, oh, in, in perspective, so in, in general of women that are graduating, it's about 20%. So when I say that there's 5% within the Ruby community, that's even lower than, than normal. And luckily, we haven't had any um, big issues where I could see potentially driving out women. Um, that's why I want to try and educate more women on, on Ruby. That's one of the things I've learned personally in the last couple of years in trying to read about these issues is that uh, for a long time, whenever these issues were acknowledged at all, people blame the pipeline problem, you know, that we couldn't get women or, as you say, underrepresented minorities to actually go into computer science. But one of the things I've, as you, as I've learned in the last couple of years is it's not really just the pipeline. It's, it's that, uh, what do they say, 30 to 35% of, of women leave the field every year, things like that. So it's, it's a retention problem as much as anything else. Is that what you've seen as well? I, I'm, I'm starting to. Uh, and there are job frustrations, not necessarily group related, but just mm. general things that uh, make me frustrated and I could understand someone leaving, uh, leaving tech in general. There's... I don't know what the, the percentage, the actual percentage is, but they, they did a, a study and actually compared it because you say, oh yeah, the burnout rate among women is really high. The counter argument to which is their burnout rate with it uh, in general is really high. But they did prove statistically that the rate of women is um, statistically higher than the rate of men leaving the field. Well, I can't, I mean, I've, I've known many women and a couple of underrepresented minorities who feel reluctant to establish a strong online presence because of the problems that come with that. And that can be a real problem, especially because a lot of hiring, a lot of uh, uh, activity in the open source community and everything is based on online activities. Uh, so it's actually, I'm, I was a little bit nervous. I didn't want to make you more exposed than you'd prefer to be necessarily, but you seem to be pretty active on Twitter. How's your experience there? I, yeah, so I've actually been, wor I worry about that. In the beginning, I actually was really protective about where I live and mentioning geographic information, where I'm going to be, stuff like that. 
And luckily I haven't had any issues. Um, I, but I, I completely understand the people that do. I've, I've heard some really bad stories. Uh, and luckily I've not experienced them. Uh, I did definitely reinforce my security system at home, stuff like that. Um, but it also helps the fact that I'm moving. So soon that won't be my address anyway. <laughs> Well, and that's true. I try not to let it bother me. I mean, people say mean stuff on the internet all the time. Well, that's still that. There's no reason you should have to endure that. But I have no clue as to what the answer is to that problem either. I, I mean, I, I know Twitter has been notoriously poor at putting uh, safeguards in place or trying to deal with that actual problem. Uh, I know people who refuse to join Twitter or work with it at all, partly for that reason. Uh, although I don't know how much better Facebook Facebook would be other than the fact that you don't have the anonymity there. You know, uh, still the anonymity is a, it's a dicey problem. I don't know whether it helps or hurts in many cases. Yeah, the the anonymity thing on Facebook is actually pretty interesting because I I've, I thought um, that it was like okay, yeah, this is okay. But then I, I hear so many stories now of people who. Um, like even even outside of tech, doctors. I had a friend who was a nurse practitioner in the emergency room, and her patients kept looking her up on Facebook. Mm. So she changed, her, removed her last name. Now that's no longer um, okay with the the real name policy on Facebook. Um, so they and they do. I mean, I've reported a few things on Facebook and not never gotten anything taken down before. Um, it's it's a really interesting debate between. Uh, free speech and hate speech so. yeah I, I all i know is that i'm very glad i have not run into it personally yet and i have no idea what i do about it frankly the person i know had a the closest to actually having a legitimate real life stalker i mean dan woods has one you know it's a it's been awful for him uh, from from that, but that's something we could talk to him about at another point. Uh, probably, though, it, it gives him a, an interesting perspective on on what it must be like for others uh, on the internet. Uh, so, at any rate, I, I'm glad that you're able to be active. I'm glad you haven't had any uh, seriously negative experiences that have prevented you from continuing to participate. Uh, I, I'm sure you know this, but believe me, there are many people who are eager to support you and to help out in, in case there are any problems. I know that's the case. I know it also only takes a couple of real problems for that to overwhelm all the positive feelings. So I, I hope that everything works out for you uh, continually as things go on in the future. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or bring up or mention? You didn't think of that fourth thing that you were going to bring up? I'm sorry. Uh, so the, our ne I did mention earlier, but just to reiterate, that our next workshop is the 18th. Ah. We're looking for volunteers to um, help out with environment setup and answering questions. Uh, sponsors, of course. <laughs> um, and uh, the registration for attendees will open at 2 p.m. today. So if you're in the Minneapolis area, and you are interested in learning how to code or interested in learning just a basic overview about how Groovy works, uh, then you should sign up. And that'll go out on Twitter, and it, the link is already on our uh, website. 
Well, that's all wonderful. Uh, thank you. That I really appreciate that. We'll see how widely we could spread that information. And I do look forward to seeing you at uh, GreatConf in EU. See you then. So you take care. Uh, thank you very much for appearing on the podcast. We'll talk to you soon.